David Sparks and Jason Snell spent their careers working for the establishment. Then one day, they'd had enough. Now, they are independent workers, learning what it takes to succeed in the 21st century. They are free agents. Welcome back to Free Agents, a podcast about being an independent worker in a digital age. I'm David Sparks, and I'm joined by my fellow host, Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Jason. Hi, David. How's it going? Great. Great. Here we are, another month of free agency. We yes. made it another month. Congratulations. Yes, we did. Congratulations to you, too. And, of course, this is our uh, our regular show, which it's only the second time we've done this. It's new. We got some nice positive feedback from people who like the format, although I did have that moment where they're like, this is much better. And I'm like, what was wrong with it before? But we, you know, yeah. we, we made a judgment that it was that, that we needed to do something different. So I think it's only fair for the for the listeners to agree. That's great. I'm glad that a lot of people liked it. We got some nice feedback about our Marco Arment episode from uh, two weeks ago, which was also very nice to hear from people. And they had many questions for Marco. And of course, the nice thing about Marco being on Twitter is that they would just include him in the tweets and ask him questions. And I hope he answered some of their questions about his his workflow. But uh, it was yeah. nice to, to hear that people liked talking about, uh, uh, like hearing Marco's story, right? Because they yeah. hear him all the time, but they don't necessarily hear him talking about his, his backstory like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, he's just like us trying to figure it out. And uh, I, the, the way his, his time ended at Tumblr to me, that was a very interesting mm-hmm. part of that interview. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen to that interview. It's a good one. A lot of people also seem to come out of the woodwork and say that they have the same productivity issue that Marco does. And I, I, I say issue. I'm not trying to be pejorative here. A lot of people have like fallow time and then a huge burst of productivity where they work a whole lot and then they kind of fall out of it. And I, I even have that. I think everybody has that to a certain degree and bless you if you're somebody who is just evenly productive all the time. But I, I definitely have that where I was writing a freelance piece yesterday and it was such a grind. I just wasn't feeling it. And it's like, I got company coming, you know, I, I got, I got plans. I got all sorts of stuff going on in my life and yeah. I have to write this story now. Like I can't put it off. I can't wander around. I got to do it. And it was a real grind. And I felt that moment of like, you know, it, it's nice when you can wait for the flow and go with it. And sometimes you can't. And, uh, but it's interesting to see how extreme Marco's flow is sometimes where he'll just have downtime, um, for a while. And then all of a sudden super intense and you get, if you're lucky enough to be on the overcast beta, that's when suddenly you're just seeing overcast betas all the time. It's just amazing. Yeah. And that's the one time that I see it. Cause the rest of the time he's working on code that we're not going to see for months, but I can see it in the beta process sometimes where he's had that spurt of activity, um, because he's got that pro- productive moment in his mind. Something I always noticed about myself was when I had a really big project, like a trial where I was working long, long hours. Uh, I never am productive in the two to three business days following that. Um, I, I might think I'm going to go in and get caught up on things or whatever, but for some reason my brain is just incapable of work at that point. And I think that's, that's kind of related. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So what's on your mind this month, Jason? Uh, yeah, well, so this is this is the part of the show where we talk about what's on our minds, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, I had an issue, uh, just for people who, who are curious, David and I are trying to just write down when we have issues in our lives and uh, bring them that re- relate to being free agents and then bring them up. And I had um, something that, that happened that I wanted to mention about prep time. Um, and this goes back to our conversation a while ago about... 
how you interact with uh, with other people, especially people in your household, about your boundaries. Yeah. And I realized something that I had not realized before, which is I have an invisible boundary, which means it's on me. I wasn't even aware of it. It's definitely not on the person in my house who who stepped over the invisible boundary because she didn't know it was there. I didn't know it was there. And I discovered it was there. But I thought it was interesting, at least, that I discovered it was there, which is uh, I was getting ready for a podcast. And it's one, and, it, and it is one I do a lot of podcasts, but it's one. some of them are more intense than others. Um, yes. Some of them I have to uh, play a more active role um, when I do download uh, here on Relay FM. I am talking to two people who are not usually there and I have to interview them and plan out what I'm going to ask them about and juggle a conversation. And it's like, it takes a lot of pr- kind of mental energy to do that. What I discovered is about a half an hour before that podcast was starting, and it, I do it at nine in the morning. So it's 8 30. My wife hasn't gone off to work yet. She's got a little bit of time. She's going to be there another 30, 40 minutes. And I pour myself a cup of tea and I'm already in my headspace of I'm headed out to the office and I've got to start thinking about this and, and working through the details of what I'm going to ask. And I'm in this invisible but mental prep mode. And she says, um, I want to talk about this uh, important thing. It was like prepping for a meeting about with school about one of our kids. Yeah. And she starts talking about it. And I realize, wow, I am not capable of doing this. And that was that invisible barrier. And I said to her after she talked at me for a little while and I felt bad because I was kind of not capable of processing what she was saying. I said, I've just discovered something about myself, which is we're 30 minutes out from doing download and I can't have a deep conversation about something that's important because I, I need those mental cycles to prep for the show. And I know I'm not, I'm not in there yet, although I will be. And that's actually one of the things that I've come out of this thinking is I need to plot myself down in my chair, even though, even if I get up a couple of times and get a cup of tea and all of that, I kind of need to physically plot myself somewhere to prep. Um, ideally because it sends more of the flag of i am working now but i was getting myself a cup of tea it was a perfectly and and i didn't have anything for half an hour it was perfectly reasonable time so it was it was in the end i you know we i got to communicate that and i said okay on on mondays and especially thursdays it's not a great uh thing to to go in deep on something with me because i'm mentally checked out because i'm i'm somewhere else working on this thing but i don't just flip the switch at 9 a.m basically well i mean that that show is is more than just showing up it's preparing you know right and and, and that's part of the work and when you're talking to somebody i mean it's it's that that mental preparation that you have to do before you start before you flip the switch um you got to be ready when you flip the switch to go so it's like if you're in a presentation if you i think i think not everybody has a podcast, right? But uh, if I were to put this as something that maybe has a broader use, if you are giving a presentation, a PowerPoint presentation or something, I don't know, to a client, um, if you're or, you know, for you, maybe, uh, you know, in your in your days in court, like you don't just roll in having not thought about it. You talk about prepping in the car, like the, the minutes yeah. and half hour an hour before you have to be on talking to people i mean i I know different people are different but at some point in there you need to get your kind of like 
set up together mentally to go in and give a presentation, to talk to other people. You can't, literally cannot be laser focused on some other subject and then walk through the doorway and be ready, I, I think. Yeah, I'll give you an even more everyday example for me. I'm negotiating a contract with a big company for a client right now. And we've got this Word document where we've been tracking changes. And I have a call scheduled today at 2. And at one thirty, I have blocked a half hour for me to go through all the changes that we've made. So when we pick up the phone at 2 o'clock... Um, and the other guy saying, well, let me file, find the file on my computer. And he's, you know, scrambling to figure out what's, which, which direction is up. I will already have kind of gone through everything and be settled about what's important to me in that phone call. And I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't do it for every call, but for a lot of, if I'm doing something that's important, I will take a half hour or even sometimes as little as 10 minutes to prepare for something. Because I think when you get on the phone with somebody and you, you sound dis, you know jumbled and discombobulated at the beginning of the call, it's a really bad image to set for your clients and the people you're working with. But also it just gets in the way of productivity. It's taking that time in advance to prepare for that stuff can make a huge difference in how the whole thing resolves. Yeah, and and depending, the, the real thing that crystallized for me, which I, I said when I talked about the invisible barrier, is there is a difference between visible work and invisible mental work, but it's real, yeah. and it can lead to issues if you have no if, if if there are no clear boundaries there and so just as somebody who is often working in an environment where you've got other people around being aware and trying to figure out what the boundaries are and working with them to set those boundaries so that you have that prep time because it's not it's not some hippie thing like we sometimes talk about hippie feeling things but this is like serious mental preparation before you do a thing it's part of the process even if it's not visible even if it's all just happening in your head um, and being able to communicate that and say like if you when you had uh, when you had the little uh, the little kids in your house right it's like for, for that period of time you probably weren't going to be distracted by them because that would be difficult for the prep yeah. And the way I do, I actually go into my office and shut the door and shut the for door, the prep yeah. time. Yeah. But yeah. the um but but I it sounds to me what caught you is you were you were probably sitting in your kitchen drinking tea. Yeah, I was just pouring pour, pouring a cup of tea and thinking about it. I mean, I I had actually gotten up, uh put down the tablet, you, you know, it was really like, "All right, here we go. Ready to go." And then Yeah. This is what happened is that you know, I I I had moved on into prep mode and was just getting a cup of tea to start the the you know pacing and walking and and then sitting in my office and and doing the doing the work and uh but i didn't i wasn't wearing i wasn't waving a flag saying don't talk to me now <laughs> and to lauren she's like there's my husband sitting there yeah. and now there's something we need to talk about and so I've, let's got, do it. I've got half an hour right i mean yeah. on that level so it was recalibrating about like my work t- work day doesn't start at nine when i'm doing a, a podcast and it's just something about myself that i i i had not thought about so i that's i'm fine. uh Maybe this is a weakness, but I I get really focused on things to the uh, extent that I lose attention for the rest of the world. And everybody that lives with me or around me kind of knows when I get a a distant look in my face just to not bother. Um, I remember when my mom died, one of her friends told me that when I was a little kid, one day I I was reading a book and I walked through the house and I literally walked through a pile of laundry (laughs) It just, it was a pile of laundry getting folded on the floor and I walked through it 
And she said to my mom, well, are you upset with him for doing that? And she says, I don't even think he realizes he did it. <laughs> but uh, I, I, that's a good thing. But but I guess you do have to have a way to tell other people when you're when you're going to go into that zone. So uh, so you don't walk off a cliff or or cause trouble when they want to talk to you about something important. Yeah. Yeah. What what else is uh, going on in your uh, in your head? Speaking of well, the um, we talked last month about this resetting balance idea, and it's still very prevalent in my mind. Um, I, I feel like my big letdown of going out on my own was, uh, I, to a certain extent, building a, the same cage I had when I was working for the man. Um, I feel like I'm doing too much legal and not enough of the books and things, but I finally did get a book out last month and, um, I've been doing this timing experiment. I'll talk about that in a minute. Cause that's kind of a whole separate thing. Um, but, but I'm, I'm really being, trying to be mindful of where I'm spending my time as to what sides of the business. It, it's weird having two businesses. Most people that go free agent don't do two different things. And I am. But something that that did help me, you had talked about looking at the finances to figure out, you know, what's important is I just had a meeting with my accountant and I'm trying to get her more involved and and just looking at the overall income and taxes uh, and seeing where I was making money kind of helped me put me at ease in terms of, oh, wait, I could put some more effort into this other stuff that I want to do. It could make enough money to keep the, you know, the whole ship afloat if I were to put attention in there. So. So I, this whole balance thing is still with me. I, I don't feel as anxious about it as I did last month, though. I think the the timing experiment really helped, and it's starting to give me some ideas about what I need to do next between the two. And, and I guess this conversation in my head will really never be over because yeah. uh, you know I always want to keep an active client list, and, and I enjoy being an attorney. I always want to keep doing Max Sparky stuff, and... Um, you will never find a perfect balance. I think if you do find a perfect balance, that'll be good for about 10 minutes until something else comes up. So, um, so I'm trying to get comfortable with the, with the fact that I will never have perfect balance, but at least get a little better at aiming for better balance. That's good. That's all you can do. I I don't think, I mean, we, the fact that we talked about this several times suggests that it is an ongoing thing. And I think I mentioned last time that, for me, it's it really is about like you get more information, you reset, you know you're immediately going to start getting out of balance about it. But at least if you know that and you do a periodic reset, you are, you know, you're you're making your best effort to to keep yourself honest in some way. Yeah, I'm trying to be a little bit more forgiving towards myself about it, if that makes sense. But at the same time, I'm also trying to say, okay, if you're not happy, what steps have you taken today to remedy that? So a little more accountability and also a little less um, extreme anxiety about it all. Yeah. It's tough. It is it's hard. I mean, I mean, when you work for somebody, they give, they give you the balance. They tell you this is what you're doing. And when you're on your own, that's a whole set, different set of muscles you got to work on. Yeah. Um, I had something related a little bit to that. This is all interrelated, of course, that I had on my list, which is to touch base on engaging the value of your work. And I don't have a, I don't have a sermon here. I don't have a, I don't have a solution here either, but I just, this is something that I've been going through. So I wrote uh, a few years ago, a book about using the new photos app on the Mac. And 
there was, it was a great opportunity, actually, because even though writing a book, especially from scratch, is hard, that was a brand new app that was replacing an old app, which meant, and, and you, did, you did something on this too, right? Did you make yeah, a video a about video. this? Yeah, a video. And, and it was a great moment of opportunity because Apple was replacing an old standard iPhoto with this new app, Photos, and they were very different. And there was a lot to talk about and a lot to write about. And I got the opportunity to write that book and I did it. And it was a lot of work. I spent a large portion of my summer writing that book uh, and getting it out. So, uh, and but it did pretty well. And one of the things that was in, really interesting about that, and you talk about like your, because I didn't get an advance or anything because it was an ebook. It was very much like I got a percentage of sales. And um, so I was putting work in without getting money back right away. And then there was initial sales and we started to judge the, uh, essentially, it's hard to do. I did this with my first book too, which didn't sell very many copies. And I realized that the first book I wrote, which was in the 90s, um, I probably mentioned this before. Uh, if you divide the amount of money I got out of it from the amount of hours I, I put into it, if I had wanted to do it for the money, I should have just gotten a minimum wage job. Yeah, like French fries. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly right. Just serving burgers at McDonald's. So... Um, this one, you know, you do, you still do those calculations and it did okay in the fall. And I, when it came out and I was like, all right, well, that was, that was a, not necessarily a huge moneymaker for me, but, uh, it, it brought in money for the work I did. Uh, and what happened is it's a book. It's an ebook. It kept selling because more people yeah. wanted to move to photos and more people wanted to move to photos. And for the first year and arguably the first couple of years, um, it sold way better than I ever expected. And I'm not saying like I could buy a house with the money I made. It's not like that at all, but it was more than I expected. And so it ended yeah. up ended up being a good investment of my time, but it took a lot of time to have it be revealed that it was actually a good decision and not a bad or meh kind of decision. Um, yeah. One of the challenges with that, though, as a kind of annuity, as a book, then books have to be have to be kept current. Yeah. And you know this with your videos and your ebooks, like they need to be kept current. So with photos, every year there's a new version of photos. And the challenge is, if I don't update the book, the book is is worthless. My entire investment in it is is gone because nobody wants a book that is not right because it's about last year's version, unless you're using last year's version. But almost nobody is doing that who is buying these yeah. books. So this year, I had a very busy summer. The sales last year, I did an update last year, a fairly large update um, that I brought in a bunch of iOS stuff. And it was, a, it was a bigger update than I had done the year before. And the sales were okay, but they weren't great. They were okay. But but it, I definitely got the sense that they're trickling down and that I'm never going to get the the big return that I did the first couple of years. It's going to be uh, put in some work and uh, and get some return, but it's never going to be a whole lot more than that. And yeah. uh, this year, so I had this challenge. Summer's super busy. A lot of trips, a lot of kid stuff going on. I got other work things going on, the stuff that I'm working on. It was a busy summer for my other stuff that I'm doing. And I've got this track record of it not being very, very uh, uh, profitable the last year. So um, I talked to the publisher, who is now Joe Kissel. It was Adam and Tanya Anks before, but it's now Joe Kissel. And we were talking about maybe, uh, he said, you know, I'm, I'm easing away from the format you used and I'm going to a new format. Maybe you could write a new version of it with, in the new format. 
Um, and I thought, one, I don't know if I have time to like... Yeah, that's even more time. Rebuild, yeah, the, rebuild the whole thing. Yeah. And two, I'm not sure I want to prioritize <laughs> my time that I have this summer to update this book because is it going to be worth it? And in the end, I decided I wanted to do it, but I didn't prioritize it. Uh, and I, I did it in the last month. So that book's going to come out late. It's going to come out in December. Um, the OS update with a new version of photos came out in September. If you know my, that decision means I lost two months of potential of sales or of being considered as a resource for people who are upgrading. And that was a yeah. decision I had to make by gauging the value of my time over the summer. So I wasn't ready to let it go completely, which sounds like me, doesn't it? Somebody who is like, it's very hard for me to completely disengage from something. It takes a lot of work. I may stick to it kind of guy, but um, what's funny is the, the, uh, the act of updating it made me think maybe the best thing to do would be to kind of do a new version of this where I put in the work, but it actually is, uh, is a better book. I will have to calculate whether I think I will ever get my money back from the time I put in. But my, my larger point here is just, this was an interesting challenge in terms of gauging in extreme cases, the value of my work. Because it's like, this money might come back. It might not. But it's not going to come back for some amount of time. What else do you have to do? And I did make the decision this summer to say, no, I'm not, I, I don't have the time this summer to do this. Maybe talk to me in the fall when it comes out. So rather than working on beta versions of software, which is extra, extra work, right? Because they keep changing. I just yeah. decided I'm, gonna, I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to put in any of that extra work and I will do an update when it's done and not before. And that was a decision I made. Right one or wrong one, I don't know. But I, I had to weigh everything else I was doing and all of my other commitments and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deprioritize this to a certain degree. I'm not going to kill it. But I'm going to deprioritize it. Yeah, well, you did it smarter than me because I did a video. For me to update, it's a massive project. I have to re. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. I have to re-record the whole video. Yeah, I know that but, that that I had to I have to retake every screenshot in the book. But uh, retaking screenshots is a uh, you know a huge amount easier than reshooting video. But I <clears throat> I'm going to do that one at some point. It's on the list probably for next year. And I'm just I just said I'm not going to do it as frequently. One of the things I did, um, I think it was last year or the year before, is I started, I raised the price of my entry. You know, all my products that were always historically $10. And I realized that the return on investment for the time was getting to where it was really difficult to make that work for me at $10. And and I said, well, I need to, and there's only so many people are going to buy these nerdy books. I I don't know that necessarily the volume is going to increase exponentially, just magically. Um, So I decided to raise the price to $20. And I did that with the thought of, look, this will either work or it won't. And if nobody wants to buy it for $20, um, then maybe that's a sign to me that I shouldn't be making these. Yeah, you got your answer there, which is don't do it anymore. Yeah, and it worked out great. People were super happy to spend, I mean, I'm sure there were some people upset, but very, very few complaints. And honestly, the way I sell, I'm pretty, you know, somebody, I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast, but sometimes people write me and say, look, I'm a student, I don't have any money. I usually just send them a copy, you know, I mean, I'm not that... I'm not a big corporation, so I'm I'm pretty easy going with people. But the, uh, but you know, raising the price to twenty dollars made it a feasible business. So, so my kind of plan for upgrades now is I I want to get a new thing out and then an upgrade out, and I just do it the cycle. And 
And that doesn't necessarily mean I can keep up with Apple's schedule or anybody else's schedule, but I still think I can get good content out. But, you know, but that's whole thing is part of this balance, you know, getting the balance right is, is always hard. And not everybody listening is writing books and making videos, but I think this applies to no matter what you do. Yeah. If you've got, um, ultimately you've got probably, if you're a free agent, you've got different ways you're getting paid and different places you have to invest your time. And it's that same calculation. And sometimes it, I, this struck me because it was an extreme example. Cause it's like, it's sort of depreciating over time. What the, re, what the return is, uh, out of this major investment. And then there's that it's, it reminded me actually a little bit of having a car where, You've got a huge amount of value in this case that, that like is gone when you drive it off the lot. But over time, you have that moment where you're deciding how much money you need to throw into it. Well, that's your work. And the value of it is your payment. And there comes a time where you have to say, uh, with some of these these kinds of projects, this isn't worth it for me anymore, compared to your other stuff. I mean, that's just yeah. that's just it. So I think that's the it, t- taking the broader view is always keeping an eye on it and, and making those tough decisions and thinking about, like, is it worth putting in this work for this ongoing project or client? And a subtlety here is, and Jason and I are both aware of this because we're in this space, is there was a unique opportunity when Apple said, we're no longer making iPhoto, we're now making photos. It's a whole new world. And everybody needed to figure that out. So there was a space there for people who wanted to figure out that wanted to get some additional materials. Um, No matter how much time you spend in this new version... It's going to be the third or the fourth version of something that came out several years ago. Most people that wanted to figure it out already have. So just the audience is never going to be the same or the the customer base is never going to be the same again until they replace photos with the next thing. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's shipping a new product versus maintaining an existing product. If you're somebody who's like a software developer or something like that. But I think it might also be like, yeah, an old client you picked up at a certain rate and they're still giving you work and you have to look at it and say, "Mm, I need to. I need to deprioritize that because it's it doesn't yeah. make sense anymore. It could be something like that too. Well, we've got more on our list, I know, uh, but we should probably take a little bit of a break. Let me tell you about our first sponsor, which is FreshBooks. Everybody out there, probably a freelancer, although I know we have other people too, um, people who are at churches and in universities and things like that. But you know, if you're a freelancer, how important it is to make those smart decisions for your business. Our friends at FreshBooks can save you up to 192 hours. That's a lot of billable time with their cloud accounting software for freelancers. It's ridiculously easy to use. It lets you simplify tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online. And that means FreshBooks drastically reduces is the time it takes for people like the 10 million people who use FreshBooks to deal with their paperwork. The new notification center in FreshBooks is like a personal assistant. You'll always know what's changed in your business since the last time you logged in and what needs to be dealt with right away. And FreshBooks has a new projects feature that lets you share files and messages with your clients, contractors, and employees. See how quickly things happen when all your conversations live in one place, the FreshBooks projects view. FreshBooks may now have more than 10 million users, but they've managed to stay a pretty small company. They have the title Small Giant on Forbes' list of the best small companies this year. If you're listening to this and not using FreshBooks yet, give it a try. They're offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial, no credit card required. 
So don't even worry about the the being one of these deals where they take your credit card and they charge you if you don't cancel and all that. Just 30 days, they're not going to take your credit card. You can try it out. Just go to freshbooks.com slash free agents, enter free agents in the how did you hear about us section. That'll let them know that you came from this podcast. Thank you to FreshBooks for the support of 10 million users and free agents. So David, you mentioned the timing experiment. Yeah, I had a lot of feedback from listeners about that. So I talked about last month how I was timing myself. And I had run these apps um, to kind of keep track of everything I was doing from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed, which is completely insane. But uh, it it was not that difficult for a nerd. You know, I, I set up scripts and different things. So it, was, it wasn't that easy. It wasn't that difficult to track. But uh, I just wanted to see what information I'd learned. And I didn't even really know what I was going to do with it. But it just felt to me, it was at the time when I was really feeling out of balance. And I wanted to get a better idea of where I was spending my time. And I learned a bunch. There was, like there were Some things that I was thinking were time sucks really weren't. And some things that I weren't thinking about were actually pretty big time sucks. So it was a good experience to do it. Now, I, um, I've wrapped up the experiment. I'm no longer tracking time. It's, uh, I, I don't want to be doing that forever. I may go back and do it some, you know, in six months if I feel like I need kind of that reset again. But uh, I did get a list. And, and what I decided I'm going to do with it is, is I call it my snipe list, you know, looking at where I was spending my time. I pick three things on that list that a I don't it doesn't need to be me to do these things. And and, you know, B, I don't like doing them that particularly that much. And C, it's something that I could easily offload to somebody else. So. Uh, going through my reports about where I'm spending time, I, I picked a couple things. Like I do new, a newsletter for uh, Max Sparky once a month, and it's a lot of readers don't want to go follow the RSS feed or read it every day, but they like a nice summary at the end of the month of stuff that I thought was important or interesting. And I do a feature article in it and a couple other things that are kind of fun. And I've been doing that a couple of years now, but I, I realized that's like a four-hour project. Which doesn't, it's hard to believe, but when you actually time yourself, it's to get that done and put together and issued and outright, it's, it's like four hours. And I thought, you know, that's something that I could hand off a big piece of that, you know, you know, in terms of mining the existing site. And this is a, I could probably get my time into this thing down to less than an hour if I hired somebody to help me with a big part of that. So, so that's on my Snipe list. Um, financial management, we've talked in the past about getting an accountant and I realized I'm still doing a lot of the accounting and, and I, you know, I sent an email to my accountant. We're going to meet next week and I'm going to say, look, how do I get more of this on you and off me? And, uh, the other one I noticed that I was spending more time on than I thought was client onboarding. When I get a new client in the law practice, there's a whole bunch of stuff you need to go through engagement agreements and setting up files and billings and all this other stuff. And, and those were three that I thought I could easily get off my list. So I have an action plan, you know, maybe by next month, those three will be off the list. And I'd like to add, you know, a couple more to the snipe list. So, so I, I really feel like in, in my mind, a manageable way to solve the, some of these delegation problems is just to pick two or three items and say, okay, I'm going to solve those now. I'm not going to pick 20 items and try and solve them all at once, but I'm going to pick two or three that are bugging me and solve those right now. And then next week or next month, I'll look to see what's bugging me next month and see if I can't knock those out. 
And I'm feeling pretty good about it. I haven't really done a lot on it yet. Um, I'm sick right now, so I, I don't want to be like meeting people and spreading germs. But uh, I, I do feel like I, I'm on to something. You know what I mean? You know, cause mm-hmm. sometimes you get that feeling that now this might be the, the solution for me. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that idea of the, of the snipe list of what, what are, where, where are places where I could be better using my time or things that I could stop doing. The, um, I always found back in my business days working for the man that one of the valuable things, we always had meetings and discussions about what else we could be doing. Yeah. We never had meetings about what we could stop doing. Yeah. And there's value in in what not to do. The what not to do list is just as important. I think we've said that before here as the what to do list. Yeah. Absolutely. And Especially what to stop when it's your doing. thing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. You only have so much time. You're a human being, right? I mean, you only have so much time that is usable work time. Even if you're a super worker, you still are finite in your time, right? That we are all biological entities. And most of us, you know, there's a, you know, a limited number of hours in the day that we are capable of, of that work. So you got to use it wisely. Yeah, maybe one of the reasons I'm sick is because I'm trying to do too much. I, uh, maybe. the um, I, I do think that a lot of people that go out on their own, uh, free agents are control freaks. And I definitely fall in that category where you want to control every piece of it. That's one of the reasons, I mean, honestly, in the back of my mind, that's one of the reasons why this was so attractive to me is I don't have to uh, get anybody else's permission to make a decision about how things are done on a very micro level. Um, but, but I do need to start letting go of some of that. And, um, so that's something I'm, I'm working with. It's good. It's good. Um, I have another issue to bring up. (laughs) It's our our little therapy session here, podcasting as therapy. It's fun, though. It's fun, though. Um, It is uh, ongoing commitments. And this this goes back to your snipe list. It's It's a very similar thing. I have aspects of my job that are not... Um, directly tied to a particular amount of revenue in the sense that I write a story and I get paid for it, or I'm doing this work and there's an hourly rate. I have some stuff that is amorphous. And I mentioned the book thing, which is really amorphous because it's literally you pour time in and then see how many books you sell. But I have subscriptions. So I have six colors, subscribers who get, uh, this is not an ad, but just to explain what it is, they get to support the site and they also get a monthly newsletter and they get a weekly podcast that Dan Warren and I record that is just for subscribers. It's fun. Um, And they get the warm feeling of knowing, and there's a membership Slack area that they get to be a part of, and they get the warm feeling of knowing that they're supporting me and Dan in doing our job. And that's like why we charge $60 a year is it's like the tote bag for public radio. The tote bag doesn't cost $60. There's not, yeah. you, there are better content deals for $60, but part of what you're getting is support. You are, you are supporting us. Um, as a result though, when I write stories on six colors, especially since on the advertising side, the ad market for, for little, for indie blogs is not great. So a lot of times I don't have sponsors. Um, in the end, then, my writing on six colors is entirely this amorphous, I want to, I want to bring in, in readers and serve the readers I've got. 
but I also, you know, I have this thing to live up to for the people who are supporting me, which is they're supporting me so that I can write on six colors. So I should be writing on six colors, right? Because they shouldn't support me if I'm not writing for them. So it's interesting. And the, the incomparable has this to a certain extent, but what it means is it's added this other, it's harder math to do, which is when do I take a freelance assignment, which means I'm not writing something on six colors. And when do I not take freelance assignments and not take that extra money? Because what I really ought to do is write on six colors. And where I have gotten to right now is I'm trying to set myself some goals for six colors, even though it's not a direct visible one-to-one. And so what I try to do is I'm going to write you know, two or three pieces a week on six colors. And I'm going to post this many links on six colors or whatever it is, some combination of, of those things. And I'm still working on that. I'm actually trying to get myself on a little bit more of a schedule there, but it, it varies. Um, but that's, that's sort of what I'm trying to do because I feel like I had a schedule and I kind of got off of it in part because I felt a little bit adrift because when you don't have a sponsor sitting on your site every week and you're like, I, I need to generate traffic to make the sponsor have their sponsorship be worth the money. Um, and instead it's more amorphous of like, I, I need to post things so that I can be visible and make the subscribers happy. Um, I got out of the clearer schedule of posting things. So now I'm trying to motivate, motivate myself essentially internally, provide myself slots and deadlines and expectations for myself that are not actually connected to real expectations. I don't really need to post that story every Friday afternoon. But if I say I'm going to write this kind of story on a Friday afternoon and I'm going to write a piece on a Wednesday and I'm going to write a piece on a Monday, then that's good for me. Even if the need isn't real, it's something that I've constructed so that I can I can do what I feel like in big picture I need to do but have no direct feedback about. Uh, but it's a challenge because, again, it's not you write this and you get paid. It is a much bigger picture thing. And I'm not even mentioning the fact that also writing big pieces on six colors gets links from other places. And those people, there's a little thing that says, if you like this, maybe you should be a subscriber. And that does happen. I do get subscribers when I get linked to from sites that get a lot of traffic. People read my stuff and they're like, oh, I like this. Or they're like, oh, I remember Jason. I forgot that he was out on his own now or I didn't even know. I'd love to subscribe to his newsletter, like literally I have a newsletter you could subscribe to. So uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to structure it because it is much vaguer than a very simple, I need to write a column for Macworld this week because they're paying me X and I know like exactly what it is and how long it needs to be and when I need to get it to them. That's easy. The hard part is this amorphous part. Yeah, I, I am. It's funny because I... And the way I grew Max Sparky, you know, I wasn't working for Macworld. It was just, I was just a guy writing a blog, but it was a very foundational step of all the stuff I've developed as Max Sparky. And I kind of look at it as the underlying place. And I've always felt like that's the place I get to make deposits with the audience. You know, if I can come up with good posts with good ideas for productivity or, or thoughts or whatever, um, I can make those deposits there. And later when I decide to sell a book or a t-shirt or whatever, um, I, I feel like that's part of the, the value proposition for my audience is that they get good content at Max Sparky. And, um, and I always try to remember that, you know, and think about that as the, the reason why you do that stuff. 
But um, I think no matter what business you are in, there are things that don't have immediate um, pecuniary pecuniary benefit attached to them, but none, nevertheless are foundational to keeping the whole ship afloat anyway. And um, and that's just something I think we all struggle with. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, for what it's worth, <laughs> it is the I, I I'm I I don't think of myself this way sometimes, but I'm such a uh, uh, a person who adheres to deadlines because I am a writer and editor, yeah. and so I just have decided to assign myself deadlines arbitrarily for things that are not actually ne- needed. <laughs> The problem is that I know they're not needed, right? See, editors do this all the time. They assign yeah. people things, and it's like, well, I'm going to tell him he needs to turn it in on Tuesday because he's always late, and I really only need it by Friday. Um, and then they say, oh, can I have an extension? I'm like, well, okay, I'll give you till Wednesday. And then they turn it in Thursday, and you're like, great, I got it before I needed it on Friday. Um, problem is, I know my own... I can't hit myself on the head and be like, Oh geez, I, I, I got to get it to myself by Friday for some reason that I can't remember. I, I, the jig is up. So I just have to pretend. It's kind of hard to be simultaneously in front of and behind the curtain. It is. It is. You end up just kind of like having a curtain draped over your face and it's no fun. So <laughs> it's uncomfortable. Uh, we've got, I think a couple more things on my list, but maybe before uh, we do that, we should talk about our next sponsor. Yeah. And that's our friends over at Squarespace. This episode of free agents is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter code free agents in all caps at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. And I'll just tell you, I love, love, love Squarespace. I, I as much as I'm a geek and, and like being on the internet, uh, I was never happy with my web publishing solutions that, you know, I never had the, the appropriate plugin updates and people were getting hacked and all these problems. When Squarespace came around, I moved Max Sparky and even my legal website over to Max Spark, uh, to Squarespace. And I've just, it just solved the problem for me. Um, Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain and award-winning templates and more. So maybe you want to create an online store or a blog or a portfolio or whatever. Mike Hurley is making a Squarespace site for his wedding that looks beautiful. Uh, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. It's an all-in-one solution. They do the hosting and they do the, they do the design for you. So you don't have to worry about which vendor to go to if there's a problem. And they do have it covered with their award-winning 24-7 customer support. You get any help you need. I've occasionally run into problems with my Squarespace site. I send them a note. They get back to me right away. They have uh, customer support services uh, placed kind of throughout the U.S. And I think they even have one in Ireland now. So they're always awake and always ready to help you. Uh, They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name so you don't even have to go to a separate vendor for that. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas and you're not stuck with the templates you know how some of these places you go and they've got a template and and you can actually recognize which service they're on by looking at the website squarespace isn't like that you can start tweaking it and making it look the way you want and it'll be customized to you so since i've moved max sparky over i've had a great experience with having just a beautiful looking website occasionally i get linked by a big website and an influx of traffic my site never goes down squarespace can ramp up and give me all the back-end support i need in fact sometimes this stuff happens without without me even knowing it you know sometimes you get linked and you're out 
you know, at Disneyland for the day or whatever, and you don't even realize that your website is blowing up. It doesn't matter. Squarespace is there covering it for me. Uh, now, the Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. Now, when you decide to sign up, use the offer code FREEAGENTS to get 10% off your first purchase and show support for the free agents. Uh, this is a great step if you're getting ready to go out on your free agency. That was the first thing I did when I quit my job as I, I got a Squarespace account and made the sparksesq.com website. And it was just a great feeling to put it together. Uh, we thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. All right. So people who are listening to this podcast have noticed <laughs> you don't sound totally healthy. You've had, you've no. been sick. You've been sick. I, I've had a rough uh, month or so, Jason. I um I came down with a cold, and we re- the way we record the show, sometimes they're out of time, so it probably sounds like I've had a cold for the last six months, but whatever. Um, but it was just a cold. You know, colds to me are always like background illness. You just keep going with the cold. But then last week, I, I, I got like a new cold. I thought I was finishing one. I got a new one, and it, it is like the monster cold. I've never had one so aggressive. I ended up with an infection in my ear. In fact, as we're recording, my right ear is not working, but eventually I'm told it will be sorted out. And, um, but it got me thinking, we did that show on getting sick and what do you sell to clients? Um, when I, the, the last time I was sick was with the kidney stones, which was kind of a big deal. And that was a whole different consideration. Now I'm just sick for about a week. And, and what do I say to clients then? You know, and it kind of got me back to the whole questions I was asking the first time we covered it. And it's interesting to me. Um, in general, I don't tell my clients I'm sick. They don't need to hear about it. They don't want to hear me whine about it. The ones that are really close to me, sometimes I'll tell them, say, look, you know, I'm just not feeling that well. If you can give me a day or two on this problem you have. And they're pretty good about it. But it is interesting to me. Like I have a, a fancy pants client that I, that called kind of with an immediate need and I said, okay, but listen, I've got this ear infection and I'm, you know, I explained, I'm not really feeling well. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So, but can you get it to me today? <laughs> you know, just, it's just like, it like went it one ear out the other client didn't care, you know, and, and I didn't get upset about it because that's just kind of the way of, of life. And if you're going to serve people, you got to be there for them, even when you're not feeling up to it. And, uh, that's another joy of a, a free agency, I guess. It really is. Um, well, we did a, we did do a show about it a little bit, but it's tough. It's it's uh, it's tough, and you feel yourself getting behind, and you try to work when you shouldn't. And yeah, I I always struggle with. I struggled. I struggled in my job with getting sick back in the day, um, and especially I struggled with. For me, it was the. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure I've told this before, but I, I was a bus commuter. So it would be the walk out the door and then it's about a 10 minute walk to the bus stop. Yeah. And that was, that was two hurdles, right? So it was like, not just I'm fresh out of the shower and ate breakfast and I feel okay, okay enough to go to work. It was, okay, I have to go out the door. I have to walk to the bus stop and wait for the bus. And if I get on the bus, I can't come home for hours and and that was i still made that mistake a lot and got on the bus and then it'd be like 11 in the morning and i'd be like oh boy why did i do this to myself and i'm stuck i'm at the office unfortunately like that those barriers became better for me in terms of being able to say i'm not gonna go sometimes i would still take a shower and get dressed and go to and get ready to go to work and put my bag on my shoulder and i would look at the front door and i'd be like oh no (laughs) 
(laughs) I just can't. Or, and this happened like at least a half a dozen times, I got out the door, started walking down the street, and somewhere between my front door and the bus stop, just turned around and was like, no, what am I doing? Right? But it's a lot harder to do that when you're just in your house. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's weird because this time of year is uh, is corporate compliance kind of stuff on the legal side. So end of the year for a lot of my corporate clients, I'm meeting – I have a lot more meetings than I usually do at this time of year because I'm meeting with clients who are writing their annual minutes and kind of just catching up for the year. And the one thing I did as soon as I realized this is a real illness, not a background illness, is I called and canceled all those appointments because I, I just don't want to be spreading germs on people before Thanksgiving – Oops, I guess I let it out when we recorded this. Uh, but the, um, but the, um, I just didn't want to be spreading germs. And with that part, I was totally honest. People said, look, I'm sick. You don't want to be near me now. And we'll put it out a week or two. And I, now I'm going to be super busy once I get healthy. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. That's just how, how it is. You just got to deal with it. This last one you put in is something I am anxious to talk about. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, office space. So I built my office when it was a home office. And although I had the inkling, as we've talked about, that I was going to go out on my own, the fact is I was building it plausibly as a home office. It was it was going to certainly be first used as a home office. And I didn't know, you know, I'd never worked in the garage, right? I mean, it was, the garage wasn't even, there wasn't even a door to the rest of the house at that point. It was outside, it was cold, it's concrete floor, and I built this home office. So I've got a little desk and I've got a, I've got a giant carpet that covers the floor that's actually a rug, but it's made from a giant carpet remnant, basically an enormous like 10 by 10 foot carpet remnant. So it looks like the, the, the room is carpeted, even though it's a, it's a rug. I bought some Ikea furniture, um, and I use it as my workspace. Now I've been doing that now for three years. So now I am a three year user of this and being a free agent and my priorities have changed my understanding of my work environment has changed because i've been doing that all this time and how i like manage all my stuff has changed because i didn't have any stuff when i started it was just setting up the home office and this has led to a few things one of which is i've discovered and this is so strange i swear i'm not one of these i've never felt like i was one of these people who was super finicky like a a uh, for people who watched the odd couple when they were kids a felix unger type but i've discovered my workspace is appreciably less pleasant to be in when there's visual clutter around when like like i have literally had trouble writing a story and vacuumed the floor (laughs) and felt relief um or 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 picked some stuff up i had at one point somebody in my family who shall go unnamed uh dumped a bunch of dirty clothes in here to be to be washed and they were scattered all over the floor and i had to go pick them up and put them in a basket and hide the basket away kind of in the corner where i can't see it because it was driving me nuts um and it's just it's a funny thing that the visual the visual clutter has has completely hit me where like right now um, because we have company, we've got the the uh, the extra bed out here for my daughter to sleep on, and the bed is unmade. And yesterday, I actually made the bed, and then I got a queen sized uh, quilt and put it over it to to like spread it out and have it be like 
super calm and clean because I'm sitting here working on my computer, but like if I'm surrounded by junk and dust and stuff, it's no, it's not a fun place to be. It's not a good place to be. So it turns out, I guess I am finicky at least a little bit. I am a Felix Unger, at least a little bit about my workspace. Are you going to do something about it? I mean, what are you thinking? Well, so I have, I, I understand now that um, if I'm having these issues that I do need to straighten up. I, I, I do that a lot where, where, you know, things start to kind of collect. And then uh, once a week, I will make a point of saving a little bit of time on a Friday afternoon, maybe, and straighten up. Or maybe on the weekend, I'll, I'll put things back in their drawers or back in the, on the shelves and I'll throw things away and put things, uh, you know, elsewhere and I'll, I'll vacuum and I'll do all of those things because that helps. That actually makes it a more pleasant space. Um, and then the other thing that's going on is I'm going to buy some new furniture because I realized that I didn't know, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't know what I was getting into when I did this. And my assumptions were very basic. Let's get a desk and let's get, I, you know, and then I went to Ikea like three months in, two months in and, and thought I need to get some extra furniture because I need um, some other things to put things on and some drawers to put things in. And I realized I have way too much stuff now in terms of all this technology stuff that I collect because this is my job. I have adapters and cables and I have tripods and you know mic stands and all of this stuff and I don't have enough stuff to put it and some of the old furniture that I just repurposed because it wasn't being used and I've shoved things on or in is not really appropriate it works but it spills out and is ugly and um and I just I've reached the point I had this it was a moment of realization a couple weeks ago where I was like you know what I'm gonna buy some new furniture I'm gonna buy some new office furniture I'm gonna buy some like cubbies with baskets and organize some of my junk um, in pl- I, I need more storage I need more accessible storage um, and, and it's just it's not something I would have known three years ago so that's an interesting thing that I've discovered is after doing this for a while I have a much more clear appreciation of what my ongoing needs are which how could i have had those when i when i was getting started i had no idea how it was going to go but now i do and um and i need to make some changes so i'm gonna go to probably just go to ikea at some point and buy a bunch of stuff so you but you want to stay in the garage you're not oh, yeah. looking to like move somewhere else no i'm not i'm not interested in that the garage is too perfect i mean it is it is too perfect in all those ways I think you should consider hiring a contractor and like putting up some drywall. No, I don't want to do it. I, I don't. I, I appreciate the suggestion, but I, I don't want to do it. I, I don't want to. I actually really appreciate that this is the space in here and any uh, drywall that got put up to kind of turn this into an office is going to. I, I don't think I would. It, it removes a lot of flexibility from the room or it will give me claustrophobia because it will be too small an office and I kind of don't want the small office space. So that part of it works. I may actually push, uh, you know, push the curtains back a little bit to create more like official office space. But um, but really for me, it's about like getting some extra uh moving moving around how i use the space maybe taking out some of the old stuff the old chef's carts and things that i just repurposed that were present so i used them but they're not the right thing to do and yeah. just give it a give it a little bit more of a rethink now that it is very clearly a permanent uh, office for me and i know how i use it and that it's not quite right well my um the reason this is exciting for me is my daughter is next year changing schools and she's probably going to, well, she is going to be moving out, assuming everything follows the plan in about eight months. 
And part of me is terrified about her leaving because I'm one of those parents that's not anxious for my kids to leave. And I know it's going to be rough. And part of me is just fantasizing about turning her room into my office <laughs> and uh, feel a little guilty almost how, how badly I want that space. <laughs> but the, um, so I, that, that is a thing that's just starting to percolate in the back of my mind. And I know it would make my life easier because as we, we talked about in the show, my office is a corner of a, a master bedroom and that's just the way it has to be with the way our house is laid right. out currently. And like, uh, even just last night I was up till midnight working on, a project and then I went to bed two feet away from my desk and laid in bed for an hour and I feel like part of the reason why is I was in the same room in literally the same space trying to go to sleep that I'd been working very hard just minutes earlier and um and and I I uh, I will admit fully that visual clutter bothers me and my wife uh, hates throwing things away so my my master bedroom does have a lot of extra stuff in it that I wouldn't uh, that I don't like looking at. So uh, if this all happens, and this will probably be something you dear listener are going to hear about on the show, because there's no way I'll be able to avoid talking about it sure. as it comes together. But I, I am starting in the back of my mind. I'm already starting to think little thoughts about setting up, uh, you know, Max Barkey headquarters. And I cannot wait. Good. I, I'm looking forward to hearing, uh, hearing more about that in the, in the future. Yeah. So we've been going for a while now. We had a big list. Um, But before we go, I wanted to at least cover a couple of things that have come in from listeners. We would love your prompts and questions and stories. Best way to reach us is go to relay.fm slash free agents and click on the contact link in the sidebar to send us an email or tweet at us at free agents FM. Yes. And at the end. Yes. And you can also go to our Facebook group, Facebook dot com slash groups slash free agents group. There's a lot of people talking in the Facebook group about health insurance. It's it's scary right now. I, I just got my notice for next year. My my premiums went up significantly, but you know, I'm just gonna have to work hard and pay it. But there's a bunch of folks in the free agents group that are concerned about getting or losing insurance. Uh, right now is a very key time to be working on that for the, in the enrollments for some of these different state and federal programs may or may not be available as this show goes to air. If you haven't solved the problem yet, you need to. And my advice to you is that, um, number one, it's going to cost more because, you know, politics, I'll just leave it at that. But the... Um, but get yourself a broker. There's people out there that make their living by getting a little kickback from the insurance company for signing you up. And they understand the policies. And I know that, you know, you worry about that. They may be motivated against you. There are very good brokers out there. Just find a good broker who will get you the best solution for you because, uh, you cannot wait till January to solve this problem. It just, I think you're going to have a bunch of doors closed to you if you do. And if health insurance is at all an issue, you know, stop everything right now, get it figured out or get a broker to figure it out for you. I don't have any more advice than that. Yeah. But it's super important. All right. Well, that I think is going to be that for this time, but we will be back with a good interview that we've already done. Just a little, a little hint. We already have done it. John Voorhees, uh, who we mentioned a few um, weeks ago or months ago about uh, going full-time. Another lawyer who has become a full-time 
yeah. person who is not a lawyer, uh, actually, which is really interesting. Yeah, he went all the way. Yeah, he went all the way. He, he, that'll be in two weeks. And then we'll be back with another open episode like this one. So send us your feedback. Send us your questions. You help guide the conversation here. Uh, go to relay.fm slash free agents to get all the links. And until the next fortnight, David, it's been a pleasure as always. See you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.